If you've listened to the show or read this newsletter for long enough, you realize that plant foods protect against disease. Heart disease, hypertension, cancer, obesity, diabetes, dementia, immune function. And it's all due to phytonutrients and fiber. We've talked about fiber before, but what the heck are phytonutrients? P-H-Y-T-O-N-U-T-R-I-E-N-T-S. Phytonutrients. We're talking with Dr. Laura Verich of thefreshphysician.com. She is an actual doctor, a radiologist, but has been uh, looking into the role of food and health. And to no one's surprise, well, not mine anyway, is, hey, the healthier you eat, the healthier you're going to be. And it's all because of the food you eat. So eat the healthiest food possible. And what's that? That's the food you grow yourself. And, of course, the food you grow yourself is going to be healthy if you grow it in healthy soil. But let's talk about phytonutrients with Dr. Laura Verich. That is an interesting topic, how plant foods are protecting against disease. And I maybe we need a definition first, Dr. Laura, of what a phytonutrient is. Exactly. Thank you, Fred. Um, yeah, phytonutrients. It's really actually a simple term. Phyto means plant. And I think if Debbie Flower was here, she'd be able to help us out with that. But phyto means plant. So it's just a plant nutrient. It is, these are nutrients that a plant makes actually for its own protection. A plant can't run and hide. So it makes these certain chemicals to protect itself. And it's interesting because we as humans have basically evolved eating these plant foods. Whole plant foods have been a part of our existence for as long as we've been humans. And so we have learned to actually use these nutrients, kind of tricky. We learned to use these nutrients then for our own health. Oh, that makes a lot of sense then because of evolution, if you will, that uh, we grew up with these foods as, as a species. Food is our only fuel, and these are all very important in all the processes of the body. And uh, the thing is, is you, you want it as fresh as possible uh, for it to be at its best, and certain foods are better than others. I, I've often said on the program, if you go grocery store shopping, shop the perimeter and avoid all the colorful packages in the middle. You're absolutely right. Plants that we grow and the plants that we buy buy in our produce department at our farmer's market are just full of these phytonutrients. Again, plant nutrients, they only come in plant foods. They're specific to plants. And we know that, like you said, they protect against all kinds of diseases. And it's interesting that we found out recently that they even protect us against infectious disease like COVID. There's an amazing study out of Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. And of course, this just came out recently. This was in 2021, where they showed that if you eat a diet that contains lots of whole plant foods, you are 73% less likely to suffer from moderate to severe COVID symptoms. So, of course, this doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID, but if you do, you're 73% less likely to be hospitalized or maybe to die from COVID. So, wow, that's amazing, right? And that's the power of plant foods and phytonutrients. And we should point out what a whole food actually is other than a supermarket chain owned by Amazon. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. A whole food. So when we say whole food, um, you know, if you think about those packaged foods that you were mentioning that you find in the center of the grocery store, those what we call ultra processed foods, almost all of those are plant foods, right? Those come from plant foods originally, but you cannot recognize the source of the plant food that's in there because it has been so altered and so many chemicals and other things have been added. But a whole food is a food like it would come from the ground. And that doesn't mean you have to, only thing you can eat is a celery stalk 
uh, raw. No, what it means is, is we're going to make foods out of whole plants where we can actually recognize the ingredients that are in there. So we're going to make our foods from things like beans and whole grains and greens and you know, just, just different kinds of fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and lots of herbs and spices. And that's going to be a whole food. And that's a diet based on whole foods where we're just eating things where the food is actually recognizable as a food to start with. I would think that when you're preparing food to maintain its nutritional qualities, you would want to eat it as close to raw as possible. Yeah, that's interesting. So what we found is that with our, our plants and the plant chemicals that are in the plants, sometimes actually we get more nutrition when we cook a plant food because it breaks down the cell walls and makes some of those nutritional elements more available. So that was kind of surprising, right? And we know that is a great example of that is tomatoes. So the lycopene in tomatoes, lycopene is well known to help prevent prostate cancer. Lycopene is an important phytonutrient, plant nutrient. And we know that actually the amount of it increases multiple fold by cooking it. So the best thing to do is actually to eat plant foods in both sorts of ways. We can eat them raw and cook them. So eat some raw broccoli and eat some cooked broccoli. It's a great way to get a wide variety of nutrients and to know that you're getting, because sometimes when you cook something, some of those nutrients in those tomatoes may be degraded too, because again, there's hundreds to thousands in that tomato. The lycopene goes up, but maybe you're losing some of the others. So then if you eat fresh tomatoes too, you're, you're, you know, you're kind of counterbalancing that. You mentioned about phytonutrients at freshphysician.com that uh, the phytonutrients in plant foods uh, protect against a whole host of diseases, like you mentioned. And in that list, you mentioned dementia. And a lot of people are concerned with that these days, especially caring for older generations. I would think the longer you have foods that fight dementia, the better off you're going to be. Yes, absolutely. I think... It eating more plant foods over a long period of time is a great way to prevent dementia. And there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole host of things happening there that are cause of dementia. And I don't think that we've gotten to the bottom of all of them yet, but we do know at least right now with say Alzheimer's disease, there really isn't a cure right now, but the prevention is what is key. And I think if any of us have dementia in our families, which a lot of us will uh, have um, some forms of dementia in our families, the key is to just start eating a lot more plant foods early on. And more recent research has actually shown that we think that a lot of the dementia that occurs with things like Alzheimer's disease is actually vascular disease like our heart disease. So it, it is likely that a lot of it is actually the same disease. If we have too much cholesterol in our diet, which comes from animal foods, we end up clogging up our vessels, which affects our heart and also affects the small vessels of our brain and probably is one of the major factors in dementia in Alzheimer's disease. So it's some, that's something to think about. So we need to get more plant foods in our diet and crowd out some of those foods that are less healthy for us. I would again suggest that in that regard that uh, foods with a lot of fiber can help out. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Well, we do know that fiber, um, we have soluble fiber and insoluble fiber and the soluble fiber can help by carrying out some of that excess cholesterol. And so that's, that's really helpful too. 
And it can also lower your blood sugar levels. Uh, back in 2012 and 2013, when I was weaning myself off of prescriptions after the uh, quadruple bypass heart surgery, and I did this all under the supervision of, of four different doctors. But basically, I was able to lower my A1C, the blood sugar count, from it was over 10 when I was in the hospital down to like 5.9. And the only changes uh, that they could see was that you're doing something different. What are you doing different? I'm just eating right, that's all, because they never saw that sort of a drop with just the medication alone. And then I would uh, say, can, can we cut the dosage in half and let's keep this up and see what happens? Well, the A1C number kept dropping. And so I was getting down to a quarter dose. But eventually, in fact, it was by December of 2012, I was off all prescription medications for heart disease and diabetes. And it's all due to basically a high fiber diet, really. Yeah, that's amazing, Fred. Yeah. I mean, your story is just very inspirational and that it's just so great for people to know that, yeah, again, it's not too late to make changes. Some some small changes like adding more plant foods because of the fiber, because of the phytonutrients that are in there are protecting our health. Both those agents do so much for our health and in so many ways. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. And I have to say that I've had in my own family a success happen like very similar to that just recently in my own family. And I am just so ecstatic about it. It's amazing what you can do by changing your diet up a bit and getting more plant foods in there. And it is the, and the fiber is super important for sure. Yeah. Like you said, the soluble fiber, it carries out, it can make a gel in our in our in our gut and it can carry out excess sugar from our diet so it helps with diabetes it carries out cholesterol which helps with the things we talked about like heart disease and stroke and dementia yeah we talked a lot about this back on the garden basics podcast in episode 228 but there's a lot more to phytonutrients that we didn't get into as you point out in your website freshphysician.com when you're talking about phytonutrients you talk about the benefits of eating the rainbow what's that all about so yeah, if we eat a variety, a whole variety of plant foods, we are much healthier than we are. Say if we eat, we heard broccoli is good for us. We eat just a ton of broccoli. We eat broccoli every day. It actually turns out that it's much better for us to eat a variety of different plant foods because each of these plant foods has different phytonutrients. There are hundreds to thousands within each plant food and they're different from each other. And so if we eat a wide variety, we're getting a whole bunch of different phytonutrients because different ones protect us from cancer or heart disease or dementia or depression. So if we're getting a whole range, we're actually getting protection against all those chronic diseases. Uh, so yeah, the variety is really important and it protects against, we talked about cancer, it protects against damage to our DNA. And again, we have there's lots of types of cancer and there's lots of ways that cancers form. So if we have a wide variety of phytonutrients, we have our best protection against cancer. And it actually turns out that if we're eating 30 or more plant foods a week, a research study showed, our microbiome, those bacteria that we talked about before that are in our gut that make chemicals for our health, if we eat 30 or more plant foods, we have the most healthy microbiome that there is. So more than 30 different types a week. So if you ate broccoli on Monday and Wednesday, that counts as one. But it's actually really easy to do. It just a matter of thinking about how to approach a meal. And I think about this every time I'm bringing a meal out, I think, how am I going to health this up? <laughs> and I think, yeah, what can I do? Okay, I got some greens right here. I could chop up and I could wilt them under that pasta. And I can chop up a whole bunch of fresh herbs and toss them on the top. 
I try to get 30 in in a day and it's not really even a problem. So I think this is a challenge for all of us. Try to get as many in as you can, aim for 30 a week, 30 different plant foods a week, and then go up from there. Very good. Be the yeah. cook, too. <laughs> Be the cook. You get to, yeah, you, yeah, I have a lot of control over what happens in my household, and I love that. <laughs> it helps. And you also point out, too, that to increase the phytonutrient uh, quantity in plants is to grow those crops that have more sun exposure, like loose leaf lettuce or some of the Chinese cabbages, rather than those with tight heads. And I, I always feel sorry when I see people shopping at the store looking at iceberg lettuce boy if there is a, a lettuce with less nutrition i don't know what it is but uh, iceberg lettuce i think is just famous for its crunch it's a tight head and uh, there's just so many tastier prettier too and colorful too loose leaf lettuce varieties out there that you can grow in your garden yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that iceberg lettuce is kind of like it's a little ball of water, but um, it has a lot of water in it, but it doesn't have a lot of nutrition in it. But still, it'd be better than getting a Big Mac, I think. So I'd, I'd say that's a positive. But um, but yeah, phytonutrients, if we're looking for getting the most bang for our buck, we want the most nutrition from what we're going to eat or what we're going to grow. We want to look for things that are number one, brightly or strongly colored, those dark greens, those dark reds that are in um, foods and try to have a wide variety. Say you, you have the choice of growing golden beets or a really dark red beet get that dark red beet. That is going to have the most nutrients in it. So look for really strongly colored foods. These are protection that the plant has against the elements, mostly against the light. But yeah, like you said, it, the more sun that's hitting a different areas of a plant, like a, a lettuce, the more nutrients it's then going to have. It has to protect itself. That ball of lettuce, that ball of water, <laughs> it is, it doesn't have to, it only has to protect that very top layer. And, I mean, iceberg lettuce is in grocery stores because it is uh, easy to ship. It withstands uh, transportation better. So it's a it's a higher profit item for those farmers that grow it. And people are just used to that's what they see at the grocery store is iceberg lettuce. But uh, take a look at the loose leaf varieties that pop up every now and then. Yeah, my favorite is definitely the uh, red Red leaf lettuce, I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of good uh, loose leaf lettuce varieties that uh, are resistant to heat, he said, on a 100-degree day. And a lot of them have red in their uh, in their color scheme, like I'm thinking red sails or red cross are two lettuce varieties that are loose leaf lettuce varieties that uh, can withstand a certain degree of heat, maybe not 100-degree heat. Plants over the centuries have developed strong flavors basically to protect themselves against predators like deer, things like that, so they may have a bitter or sour taste to them. But our breeding practices have selected against those flavors and have been bred to basically taste better. But as we've talked about on this program before, when you start getting into a hybridization, plant breeding, something's got to give, and in a lot of situations, it's lost nutrients. So basically, you want to look for heirloom varieties or wild varieties to grow and just build a, a deer fence. You don't have deer in Florida, do you? You know, we do have deer here, but I don't have them on my property. We've got kind of their small deer. They're little small ones. Okay, so you're, you're okay. Yeah. You can grow current tomatoes. 
Yeah, I can. I can't. I have to put a cage up though because around them because squirrels love to eat my tomatoes. They've even broken into my pool screened area, which we have to have out here because of mosquitoes. They've even broken through there to get to tomatoes. So they love tomatoes, those darn squirrels. So, but yeah, the current tomato is one of my favorites. It has a lot of uh, phytonutrients and you're right. You know, it's, it's these wild types and the, and the ancestral types that have, um, a lot more nutrients in them. And again, we bred out the more bitter and sour and astringent kind of flavors. It's interesting that calcium itself is a a fairly bitter, uh, has a bitter taste to it. So when we've done that breeding, those breeding practices, we've bred out some of the nutrition like calcium. So yeah, if we can look for some of those, that is really helpful. And in things with strong flavors, you think about herbs, herbs have extremely strong flavors and they are one of the highest phytochemical things that we have out there. We can um, add small amounts of herbs to things and get a huge boost in the nutritional value. So think about, I think for all of us to think about how to get more herbs and spices in our food. There is a lot of nutritional value there. In our kitchen right now, there is some uh, homemade salsa getting made. And uh, one of the ingredients in salsa is cilantro. Cilantro has a hard time in the heat, so it's more of a cool season crop. But you can grow it year-round as microgreens and just cut it off when it's maybe an inch or two tall. And that way you can have uh, cilantro in your salsa or in any dish if you like cilantro. And, you know, I, I still don't understand the chemistry of cilantro, why some people think it tastes like soap. But there are those who, who claim that. But still, if you grow microgreens, you talk about getting getting bang for your buck, that's a way to go. Right. And now microgreens, it hasn't been studied super extensively across the different types of microgreens, but we do know with broccoli uh, microgreens or broccoli sprouts that they have, it's hundreds of times more phytonutrients sort of per per volume, per weight. So a small amount of microgreens or sprouts uh, has a lot of nutrition in it. So yeah, even very small amounts. If you have somebody who doesn't really like broccoli, you can sprinkle a few broccoli sprouts in their food and they won't even know that they're there and they're really easy to grow. So yeah, sprouts are a really great way to get in a lot of nutrition. You get a lot of um, bang for your buck there. Well, if there's one thing I take home from this, I'm going to start some broccoli sprouts and have them this winter and fall. Yes. Yeah, they're really delicious. All right. Organic produce, of course, we know it's better because it doesn't have harmful chemicals sprayed on it. But uh, also organic produce, as it's growing, had to develop some more defenses that uh, they wouldn't uh, normally have. That or when you have uh, organic produce, they've had to fight harder against predators. They're healthier for you. And that includes the peel. Exactly. Anywhere that a plant has had to do some work um, to uh, to grow itself, to keep itself healthy, is where you're going to find the most nutritional value. So yeah, in our organic produce, the fact that you haven't had to spray or you haven't been spraying a lot of pesticides on it and you haven't been giving it a ton of fertilizers usually means that that plant had to fight and it is going to have more nutrients in it. And similarly, the skin, the outside, the peel of a fruit or vegetable has the most nutrition in it. It is the, it is the facing part to the world. So it is where those uh, chemicals need to be to protect the plant. So if you can, don't peel your vegetables. 
and your fruits, just um, scrub them or wash them and eat the peel because it is the most nutritious part. So yeah, having organic produce means we don't have to worry about peeling. Phytonutrients, I would think, because they are living, if you will, would break down quickly. So how do you get around that? Gardening is is the number one way. So for phytonutrient content, we want to um, eat things as quickly as we can from the time they were picked because, yeah, the phytonutrients break down quickly. In the normal amount of time that it takes for produce um, in North America to get across the country, um, usually it's been something like 17 days or so, and a lot of the nutrition is depleted. So the vitamin C has gone down dramatically, and some of those same phytonutrients have really dropped off as much as maybe 80% of them may be missing. I think it's really important to try to get our produce as fresh as we can get it. So if we're not growing it, can we get to our farmer's market and get it from a farmer near us who's growing uh, that produce? We're going to be healthier for it. Our community is going to be healthier for it too. I guess one of the benefits of eating high fiber food is uh, fiber doesn't tend to break down, does it? Right. Fiber does not break down. That's the good news. So even if you're eating an older piece of produce, the fiber is still there. So that's that's that is good news. Obviously, you, you want to uh, pick if you have vegetables growing in the garden, you basically want to uh, uh, pick the ones you're going to be eating uh, an hour or two before dinner as opposed to uh, letting it sit on your counter for a few days. Right. And I know that you have some information from UC Davis on this, but for most produce, if you need to have it sit for a while, the best thing to do is to get it into cold storage, which means getting it into your refrigerator. And again, that's not true for every kind of fruit or vegetable, but for the most part, that's a good way to try to keep the nutrition up and if it has to sit for a little while. But yeah, if you can, run out to your garden and bring it in right as you're going to cook it up. A little spritz of uh, or zest of citrus goes a long way too to mask certain flavors. I, I happen to have tried uh, a burger bergamot gin the other day uh, made from a bergamot orange, which is basically inedible fruit, but the zest is used because of its wonderful aroma. And this uh, citrus grower I know has uh, delved into the world of uh, growing citrus, rare citrus, but then shipping it off to a distiller who's infusing it into basically neutral liquors like gin and vodka. But uh, the bergamot uh, gin was interesting and it really counteracted the rather poor taste of gin that I think gin has. I love that. And I think it, I'm sure it made it much healthier too. So we can call that a health <laughs> drink at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. For people who don't really like bitter, and again, we're talking about how bitter is, a, is an indicator that a plant has a lot of phytonutrients in it. So we, sometimes people think of kale as being really bitter or, you know, some of these really um, uh, bitter greens like mustard greens and things. If they're too bitter for you, a great way way to bring the bitterness down is to add some citrus, like you said, or even vinegar. Those things, sour actually counteracts bitter. And so it works really well that way. I always think of tequila and lime. That combination, the lime takes the bitterness of the tequila down. And so if we think about putting those together, it helps to uh, us to be able to eat more, more of those bitter foods. Also, we can start out by just having less of them. Say you don't really love mustard greens. Well, what if you cut them up into small pieces and mix them into a bigger salad where it's not such a big element? 
like you don't have to necessarily eat all of the greens. Or what if you could make a mixed salad with just every green you find out in your garden? That would be the best thing of all. One point we have talked about on this uh, program a lot is the fact that uh, if you're choosing kale for eating, because some people grow ornamental kale, which is very colorful, but the green kale is more nutritious and more palatable than the ornamental kale. But as you pointed out on the uh, podcast, by cooking it, it can free it up and make it taste better. And that's the case of the ornamental kale as well, that if you do uh, do a quick stir fry with it, it, it's much more palatable. Right. And I sort of think this, Fred, that bottom line is how can we get more fruits and vegetables into our diet. That is the bottom line of what we're trying to do for our health. How can we get more of those in? And if cooking them makes them tastier to you or putting a really great dressing on them, you know, do it because the most important thing is getting these phytonutrients into our diet. If you're cooking, I I would think that maybe steaming or microwaving or grilling is going to preserve the most nutrients as opposed to, say, boiling. Yeah, that's very true because in those other methods, phytonutrients stay within the food. When you boil, a lot of those nutrients uh, and the vitamins and minerals too come on out into the water. So if you're going to boil your broccoli, then drink the broccoli liquid, I guess I would say. (laughs) And that doesn't sound good at all. So maybe instead just steam them or microwave them or grill them. Like you said, we want to keep all that nutrition in there, right? We've gone to the effort of growing it and now cooking it and we're going to enjoy eating it. We want to really, again, get the bang for our buck. We want the nutrients in there. So yeah, just don't boil it. Or if you do, use that to make a soup. Exactly. All right. Now, at your website, freshphysician.com, you issue a challenge to eat how many whole plant foods per week? 30 different plant foods per week. We know that this protects us against disease and protects our DNA, having multiple different nutrients. And we also know that it builds the best microbiome for us. Those bacteria in our gut are the happiest when they can have lots and lots of different kinds of nutrients and fiber to break down. And so 30, the challenge is 30 different plant foods per week. So um, having the same the same red leaf lettuce two times in the week does not count. That's one. You get to have 30 different ones in a week. You're actually going to find that it's easy and it's a fun challenge to take. Okay, uh, so I, I, could just... I think you can get to the point you have 30 in a day without any problem. Once you start thinking about it, I'm going to chop some extra cilantro in this one and I'm going to, you know, throw some greens on that one. It's pretty easy to pretty quickly get the number up. Do different varieties of the same fruit or vegetable count, like say a smooth leafed spinach and a curly leafed spinach? I'm going to give that to you, Fred. Thanks. Yes, I say yes. (laughs) All right. And that's associated with the healthiest microbiome. Yeah, those are the the microbiome. And people may have been hearing about that recently. It's what the research is all about right now. It's the hot topic because we're realizing how important the bacteria in our gut are for our health. We used to think they were just in there for no reason at all. But no, we wouldn't have that, right? We have a symbiotic relationship with them. We let them be around because they help us. And so we give them our body as a home and we feed them fiber from plant foods and they break it down and make chemicals that are really healthy for us. The healthiest chemicals described are coming from those uh, bacteria. So uh, yeah, we want to keep them healthy. And I think an interesting part too that, that comes in with gardening is that some of the microbiome that we have in our gut 
as you can imagine, is actually coming from our soil and our plant foods. So if we have good soil and we're eating fresh plant foods, the microbiome is there on the plants and that becomes our own microbiome. So one of the most common bacteria to have in our gut is lactobacillus. It is a really healthy one. And we know this exists already on our plant foods. If anybody's ever pickled anything or fermented anything, lactobacillus is already on the plant foods. So we take our cucumbers or we take our cabbage and we just stick it in a brine, salt water, We don't have to add anything else. And suddenly we have this concoction that is fermenting and it's those lactobacillus that are already on the plant foods. Pretty miraculous. But these become the same bacteria that are in our gut and they're really, really healthy ones. You're going down a different scenic bypass now talking about fermenting. We'll have to do that at a different time because I think that is a very hot topic to take up. Yeah, fermenting is, it's, it's really great. It's really great. Tasty food and super healthy. Dr. Laura Verich, FreshPhysician.com is her website. She is a radiologist by training, but uh, decided to change her career path to educate people on how to get back to health through eating right and exercising. And if you're a gardener, you've already got the exercise part down. That's right, Fred. Yes, gardeners get the exercise that they need. And isn't it enjoyable? And then don't we also have an end product that's just so delicious? It's a win-win situation. Dr. Laura Verich, FreshPhysician.com. Thanks again. Thank you, Fred. What a pleasure it's been to talk with you.